It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, 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 here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up to bring you another big day of top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. We normally open this show with some card tricks, some balloon animals, you know, some type of ridiculous chicanery. But today is a very big news day and a potentially historic one uh, as we take to the airwaves the royal family has flocked to the bedside of the Queen of England at a residence in Balmoral, Scotland. Buckingham Palace saying they are greatly concerned for Her Majesty's health. Uh, We will, of course, monitor that live throughout the day. This news regarding the Queen coming, of course, as Joe Biden, a man who has been in politics since we revolted from the British back in the 1700s, continues to mismanage the economy, the border, and a national crime wave that has led to some horrific consequences for our listeners on the roar of Memphis, down in Memphis. We're certainly thinking of you guys right now as we take to the airwaves. We'll get into all of that with Molly Hemingway, senior editor at The Federalist. Uh, We'll also take your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons. If you write a message on the side of an overpass, whatever you do, man, everybody's welcome. 888-788-9910. The rule on this show, the only one we have, if you're listening for the first time, is you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat. We don't care how you vote. We don't care what you believe. Okay, all we ask is that you don't be a... That is it. Happy Thursday. I just got off the TV with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino on America's Newsroom. If you missed it, we posted it on the Facebook page. I'll be on with Kennedy tonight on the Fox Business Channel. We're also taping another episode of Tucker Carlson's final exam. How about that? Going to be a wild one. But right now, the big news at the tippy top of the show is the Queen of England. Uh, It's not very characteristic for Buckingham Paris palace to say they are greatly concerned about her health. They're usually really tight-lipped about things regarding the queen's well-being, uh, and the fact that her family is rushing to her bedside leads one to believe uh, she's not in the best shape right now, so we're certainly thinking of her, we're certainly thinking of them, and we're going to continue to update this as we go, uh, but back here in America, we've also got to do America stuff because, man, oh boy, oh man, it is a mess. It is a huge mess in Washington, D.C. right now, where Biden is seemingly just mismanaging everything. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. No, they really don't, man. And uh, I'm going to pick up where we kind of left off yesterday really quick. We got so much to get into. Okay, and I want to talk Memphis specifically because we got a guy out on the street last night engaged in a killing spree who should have been rotting in a prison on previous attempted murder charges. But, of course, these woke bail reforms got the guy out in two years. Everything woke turns to really does. And it disgusts me. And we're going to devote some good time to it today in the show. But the bigger crime making headlines on a political level is, of course, the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. Yesterday, we had Bill Barr on Bill Barr to discuss his take on what went on down there. Uh, Bill Barr, who a lot of you guys aren't big fans of. 
but who really took your side on just about everything. He said, yes, nobody can trust the FBI. They're completely full of it. There's a deep rod in that institution. Said, yes, there is a deep state. And the only proof you need is the fact that every time one of our law enforcement agencies leaks, anytime the intelligence communities leak, they only leak in ways that damage Republicans. Correct the mundo. Okay, that's all the proof you need. Whenever there's some high level Okay, this has never been done before. Bombshell classified leak. I'll give you a good example. How about the Supreme Court SCOTUS leak? When they leaked the court's position on the Dobbs case months before the ruling was actually issued, what direction did the leak go in? The leak went where? In the liberal direction. Bingo. It was done to mobilize the left. It was done to galvanize their allies in the media. Bill Barr conceded right here on the air. I thought it was actually shocking. To hear a guy who was the former attorney general of the United States under multiple presidents say, oh, yeah, no, there's a deep state. There's a real thing. They're out to get their political enemies, and they're willing to use the means of which uh, <laughs> the power at their disposal to take out anybody they don't like. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. That was his direct quote. But the point being, okay, is the top line thought when it comes to the raid on Mar-a-Lago, when it comes to... You know, everything going on with January 6th is the Democrats are getting to a place right now. And the Biden speech last week was really part and parcel of this. They're getting to a place right now where they're going all in on branding, maximum strength branding. Do you remember a week ago, a week ago, Joe Biden gave that big speech down in Philadelphia? I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. He spoke bathed in red lights, flanked by two Marines. And said what? Oh, these MAGA Republicans, a threat to the democracy. They're fascists. They're domestic terrorists. And then with a straight face, the next day they were like, oh, he wasn't being divisive. I mean, the guy was just telling it like it is. You know, he's just trying to bring Americans together, recognize the threat in our ranks. Understand, the MAGA Republicans aren't the ones chasing people out of restaurants. They didn't do $2 billion worth of damage during the George Floyd riots, didn't kill 42 people or burn down 100 black-owned businesses in the near north of Minneapolis. Those were left-wing protesters, the vast majority of which were good people actually protesting for a change they believed was necessary. But then there are the political opportunists that are just there lighting stuff on fire and trying to weaponize public sentiment against Republicans and police. Many of those people ultimately bailed out by a link that was tweeted by Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> One of the protesters she bailed out went on to commit murder. Guy is actually being charged with murder right now. We don't talk about that. But the truth is, yes, MAGA Republicans who stormed the Capitol, anybody who stormed the Capitol is an idiot. You're a dirtbag. You're not supposed to storm the Capitol. I was on the air live when it happened. We condemned it then. We condemned it now. But there really isn't a comparison when it comes to the violence we've seen in the past few years. I mean, you think about a Bernie Sanders supporter who after the 2016 election shot up a congressional baseball game, shot Steve Scalise six times, and did that after being subjected to two years of Democrats saying Trump is literally Hitler, and then when Hitler won the election, well, Hitler had help from Vladimir Putin, and so I don't know, God help us. And essentially this guy, who was a Bernie Sanders volunteer and a little bit of a wingnut, went out and shot up a game full of Republicans. Okay, these are really bad times in our country because we're living in an era where people's emotions are their facts. One of big Bill uh, Bill Barr's takeaways yesterday 
was that there is no nuance in our politics. You're either all for Trump or you're a rhino dirtbag in his eyes. And on the Democratic side, you're either in favor of all of our garbage identity politics things or you're some type of a fascist. You're some type of a thug. You're some type of a murderer. Understand, that's where we are now. It's a branding war. Democrats want to convince the country the other side is Hitler. They hate women. They hate trans people. Okay, they hate minorities. They hate everything. That's what the Democrats want you to believe. That's the job. Vote for us because we're not as bad as them. Okay, on the Republican side of town, what a lot of guys are fighting for right now are just basic tenets of America, which is freedom, get the government out of our lives, support the men and women who put on the uniform because you can't have a society without law and order. You know, they're very small ideas on the Republican side. The Republican side is like, cut taxes, get the IRS out of my life, okay? Let us make our own health decisions. Republicans are basically running on something called freedom! The Democrats are running on something called do it my way or we are coming to get you. And one of the people always coming to get you in the media is the people's pantsuit, Hillary Clinton. So Hillary was on The View yesterday. I got to be honest, man. I would not watch Hillary on The View at gunpoint. I mean, a loaded gun that I could verify was loaded. I don't think I'm watching the show. I'm like, what? how many bullets you got in that thing? I dare you. I don't think I could watch this. Uh, but part of this job requires me to. So we're going to get into it here for a second. I'm going to play you some clips of Hillary Clinton on The View. No! God! No! God! Please, no! 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 Listen, man, if I got to sit here and do this, we always say Fox Across America. It's America's family meeting. We discuss the issues in the country as a family. If I got to listen to this stuff, you guys got to listen to this stuff. Suck it up. Here is Hillary on The View, okay, making two of the most laughable comments I've ever heard. But the reason she's making them, understand is it's a branding war now. That's what we've moved into. She's here to say Biden's speech last week, labeling all conservatives fascists, was right. It was just. We need to be doing this. Why is she saying that? Because the midterms are coming. And the party in power has spiked inflation to a 40-year high. The party in power has gas prices $2 a gallon higher than they were when they took power. The party in power is being uh, indifferent to the poorest southern border that has led to a record level of fentanyl deaths in this country. Fentanyl is the leading killer of adults in this country. Okay, think about that. The White House announced yesterday we have a monkeypox czar. Is monkeypox killing anybody at all whatsoever? The answer would be no. I'm not saying don't take it seriously, but nothing is killing people on the level in this country that fentanyl is. And do we have anybody in the White House committed to being like a fentanyl czar? The answer would be no. Okay, the Democrats are getting people killed with their indifference to the southern border. Inflation crushing people on fixed incomes, annihilating the poor, as are the gas prices. And you deal again with a 35-year spike in murders. Now, if you're the party that's in power while all of this is going on, there's no way you want to run on that. So they've turned this into a branding war. The 61 days that separate us from the midterms are going to be an exercise in convincing you that anyone who's a conservative wants to kill you, your daughter, and your gay neighbor. And heaven forbid they know a trans kid, they're coming to mow them down next. That's where the Democrats are at. Because if they can sell enough of this fake fascism, then they have a chance at getting votes out of people. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. I'm telling you because I care, man. I own a politics to English dictionary. It's one of the few books I've read. But when these people speak, I can translate it to plain English. Take it away, Hillary, clip 21. They felt that he would get away with it just like he always does. What is your 
feeling about that? You know, I, I don't know, Joy, and I don't want to prejudge. I've been prejudged wrongly enough. Mm. I'm not going to prejudge somebody <laughs> okay. else. Yeah, and yeah. so I think the key is what the facts and the evidence are, mm -hmm. uh, what the FBI and the intelligence community mm. learn about these documents, how they ended up there, who else saw them. Mm -hmm. Because apparently they've been moved around. It's not like they were in a vault. They were in a storage room where people go in and out getting umbrellas for the pool or, you know, something else. So I think that we have to, we have to wait. You ought to be ashamed of Secretary yourself. Think about that. Okay. That's Hillary Clinton coming in and saying what? Uh, you know, I don't want to judge, but it doesn't sound good. And understand, okay, this is a woman who mishandled classified information. James Comey came out and stated to the world, yes, there was classified information. Yes, this met the threshold for prosecution. No, we're not going to prosecute her. Okay, something Bill Barr said on the show yesterday is that when Donald Trump won the election, he said to Bill Barr, hey, I'm glad they didn't prosecute Hillary Clinton. Now, why did he say that? Because he didn't want to be the president of a third world country. He didn't want to be in charge of a banana republic. Okay, the Democrats don't mind this being a banana republic if it means that they retain power. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. That's where we are right now. So in this race to the midterms, that's what this is all about. Bill Barr said yesterday, I hope they don't charge Donald Trump. He said if Trump had classified information, whether he classified it or not, you're oversimplifying the chain of custody issue within the Presidential Rights Act, within the Constitution, if you think Trump can just say it's declassified and we can't charge him for having stuff he shouldn't have. Bill Barr was upfront about it. It's possible the FBI, which nobody can trust, he said it on the show, is doing damage to Trump intentionally, but it's also possible that Trump is on the wrong side of the law from a legal standpoint. That being said, Bill Barr doesn't want Donald Trump to be charged for the same reason he didn't want Hillary Clinton to be charged. Once we start weaponizing our Justice Department, once we start weaponizing the rule of law against our political opponents, all faith and integrity in those institutions go flying out the window. Tell it like it is. But here is Hillary Clinton trying to remind you no one is above the law with a straight face. Clip 22. We have to have, have, I think, two minds about this. No one is above the law. Yeah, and right. the rule of law in a democracy, um, you know, has to be our standard. But we should not rush to judgment. Right. We should take it seriously. We should be concerned about it. And we should follow the facts and the evidence. Right, yeah. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No one is above the law, she says, as she literally, literally was. We were told by our own FBI director, this woman broke the law. We're going to let her go. It's an election. This is the equivalent of you driving drunk. A cop pulls you over and he goes, all right, just do me a favor. Take the back roads. Just get out. Take the back roads. You're only a block from home. Just take the back roads. Hillary Clinton was drinking, okay, and driving when it comes to classified information to the point that she hit a pond. Okay, and the intelligence community and the FBI and the Department of Justice towed the car out of the pond and was like, okay, take the back roads. Okay, so if she's going to get out here with a straight face and remind us that no one is above the law, she doesn't need an applause break from The View. She needs a frickin' mirror. That is correct. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. 
Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. So really quickly, Hillary Clinton, top of the show today, as you know. She was uh, making an appearance on The View. The View was awful. But what did she say? You know, Trump, you know, no one's above the law. If he mismanaged classified information, classified information, you know, this guy's got a pet. Here's a throwback clip from July of 2016 where Charles McAuliffe was testifying before the House and told then-Representative Jason Chaffetz of Utah that the Hillary emails were so top-secret Congress couldn't even see them. He wasn't even free to discuss them in the hearing. Again, this is the no one is above the law woman who was above the law. Here it is, clip 26. I I can to a certain extent. I cannot provide a certain uh, segment of them because the agency uh, that owns the information for those emails has limited the distribution on those. So they're they're, uh, characterizing them as Orcon. What, so explain been, what Orcon is. Originator control. Uh, so I can't, uh, I can't give them to even Congress without getting the agency's permission to provide them. So they have been provided. Which agency? I can't say that here in an open hearing, sir. So you can't even tell me which agency won't allow us as members of Congress to see something that Hillary Clinton allowed somebody without a security clearance in a non-protective format to see. That's correct? Yeah, this is the segment of emails. That this is why my, my letter back to uh, uh, Ranking Member Cummings had to be classified, because people would like to see this segment of emails. And this has been an issue not just with, with you and your committee, but with uh, several members at this point. This is not okay. I agree with you, Secretary Clinton. It's not okay. There's a big double standard right now. And if you're listening to me as a Democrat, understand you're not my enemy, man. I'm just a talk show host. I'm a fat guy in his 40s who plays video games with his kid. I don't want to be in charge of our country, okay? I'm just here to be like a measured voice of reason. At a time when the country is on fire, I am very much roasting radio marshmallows in an attempt to corral enough sanity out there in the ranks of America to become force multipliers of reason to get this country back to a place where it plays team ball. We're all teammates. We're all getting dressed in the same American locker room. And this idea that the offense is mad at the defense and vice versa all the time is why we don't win anymore. That's the big problem. When there's a double standard when it comes to the rule of law, there is no standard. That's why the fact that Hillary Clinton got on The View and was like, no one was above the law. I'm like, hey, girlfriend, you just got a free pass. I mean, that's Congress right then and there being told she had information so secretive you couldn't even share it with Congress. So when they're willing to raid Mar-a-Lago and potentially lock a guy up, what they're really telling you is not no one's above the law. What they're really telling you is Democrats are so full of crap. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon on a big news day, potentially historic news day. Molly Hemingway is going to be joining us, tentatively scheduled to speak with Martha McCallum as well. This, of course, all pending uh, news regarding the well-being of Her Majesty, the Queen of England, uh, who became the queen at the age of six, uh, excuse me, of 25. 
all the way back in 1952. Uh, if you're just joining us, the royal family uh, has arrived at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. They are at the Queen's bedside with Buckingham Palace issuing a statement that they are greatly concerned for the Queen's health. This is very significant. Uh, they don't traditionally give you anything anything on the queen. Nothing. They don't give you health news, okay, unless they have to give you health news. Most insiders are speculating that this is a way of, you know, kind of preparing the public and and a world, to be clear, not just over there in the UK, but the world. Uh, This is a woman who has, you know, been in power, been a national figure, carried herself with grace and class, for, you know, my goodness gracious, 70 years. She's been the queen for 70 years. And uh, hard to imagine a more iconic figure alive walking the face of the earth right now, a more recognizable figure than the queen. So this is huge news. We will continue to update it, uh, and we will also take your calls on the issue. Brian right now, back in from Clarion, Pennsylvania. Yo, Brian. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to share a personal story about Her Majesty the Queen. Um, In 2010, my father passed away, and he was stationed in London during Mm. World War II. And, you know, in my grief, I I don't know why, but I wrote to the Queen of England, Her Majesty the Queen, and I explained, you know, what he did in the war and how we had an appreciation for England. You know, they called us the Yanks and everything. And for that generation, you know, she was our queen, too. And my parents were married the year that um, she became queen. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know... That's Jim, uh, Jimmy, she responded. Get out of letter. town. And it was so uh, caring, and it was just wonderful. Now, she didn't respond directly. She responded through one of her ladies-in-waiting because I'm a commoner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, But it was just wonderful. It was obvious that she read my letter, and she responded to it. And I just wanted to share that. Uh, with your with your viewers. And also, I hope I'm not in trouble because I've already been called a fascist by the (laughs) President Biden. I did sign the letter, your most humble servant, because that's the protocol when you write to Her Majesty. And I guess now I'm going to be accused of colluding with the monarchy. (laughs) Well, you've ever heard those stories about how the queen, when she's socializing, like has little head moves or hand moves, like if she lifts her bag, that means get this guy out of here and stuff like that. I guarantee right. you when she met Biden, she raised the purse. Guaranteed. The, the purse. But, you know, she was a truck mechanic in the war, and um, she she faced such tra- personal tragedy when she became queen. And during the war effort, she was out with her people. She was a truck mechanic, and um, she did work. Uh, for the the uh, the Royal Army, I guess I don't know mm-hmm. what they're called, but um, you know, and she was America's queen. She she is the world's queen just because of of how long she has reigned and her kindness, her great kindness to people from all over the world. Yeah, it's no, she's listen, an incredible woman. And that's an incredible story that you actually got a response. I can't even get a response from like the king of queens. Like I I, I can't even get that yeah. meaning. <laughs> that guy, Kevin James, I kid. But yeah, right. it's, it's and it, I'll just yeah. I'll just add I wrote a letter to the vice president voicing my concerns and I never got a response. And I've written to many 
officials, Clinton and Reagan, and I've always gotten a response, but I received a response from the Queen of England, but I didn't receive a response from our own vice president. Oh, my goodness. Is this the recent one, like Kamala Harris? Yes. I I wrote her when uh, when war broke out in Russia about the controversy going on and and what the uh-huh. Biden was saying, and I urged her to look into the, his cabinet to see if there was something that could be done about the 25th Amendment because he was acting so crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, she's probably not going to write back on that because she probably took it as a political slander. But uh, I don't know why. I mean, I'd always write back to you. Maybe she was down at the southern border. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and it got lost in the mail. <laughs> she isn't even it, going it to. It might an... be her response might be on one of those two thousand mules that are wandering around. Oh, there. Brian, there he goes back in on the election. Listen, excellent call as always, and uh, I'm going to keep live updating the Queen situation. We're getting emails like rapid fire right now, and we're supposed to get uh, an appearance from Martha McCallum in the next hour that will tell us, you know, the latest. There's no one more tuned into any of this than Martha. McCallum. Understand, she is a royal expert. In terms of me, I can name everyone on the 1985 Kansas City Royals. And uh, in terms of Buckingham Palace, I have not been, although I do look like I get paid in White Castle. So that's not something to disregard. I'm clearly tuned in. Uh, I've got my finger on the pulse of a lot of things. Uh, But we're bringing in a real expert uh, because this situation warrants such things. Uh, In the meantime, back over here, In America, where we don't have queens, we have presidents. It's a fascinating poll out right now Uh, in regards to this Mar-a-Lago raid, to Biden calling everybody a fascist. It's a new poll out that I wanted to run by you as a listener. You guys are welcome to feedback as the day continues, 888-788-9910. And you know the way the rule works on this show. If it's on your mind, it's on the show. You want to talk about the queen, you want to talk about politics, you talk about baseball. Just don't call me up and talk to me about food because I'm telling you, I got to stop eating. You're killing yourself the way you eat. You all fat f- Look at you. I'm not kidding, man. I was on America's Newsroom a little while ago. All blue. When you see me on TV in all blue, when I'm matching my eyes... Uh, to the clothes, that's a way of contouring to make yourself look a little smaller on camera. But even in blue on blue on blue, did it work? The answer would be no. Your buddy Jimmy's got to hit the track. Uh, But right now, a lot of people urging Donald Trump to hit the road and run again. Listen to this. According to a new NPR PBS NewsHour Marist National Poll. Okay. Trump still showing plenty of support in the Republican Party. It finds that 61% of Republicans want him to run again in 2024, even if the DOJ charges him with a crime, okay? Survey finds 61% of Americans, including 90% of Democrats, 26% of Republicans, 67% of Demo- of independents, do not want Trump to run, okay? But his party within, his support within the Republican Party is massive. By contrast, if you look at the Democratic Party, Biden, the guy calling Trump a fascist, but Biden, the guy weaponizing, his own Department of Justice against Donald Trump, Biden has no support in the Democratic Party when it comes to running again. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, you've got over 70% of his own party saying they don't want this guy to run again in 2024. Biden sucks. Okay, yes, people vote their party, their loyalists. So if Biden does become the nominee in 2024, the Democrats are going to vote for them. They're always going to vote for the party over the person. But the fact remains Donald Trump facing a looming indictment from the Department of Justice. 
has more support within his own party, with the voters in this country, than Joe Biden. Biden's lost his marbles. There's a lot of slanders coming his way. But this is fascinating to me because you understand between now and the midterms, all you're going to hear, oh, gosh, all you're going to hear, orange man bad. Is orange man in office? Of course not. Is orange man presiding over a 40-year high in inflation or a border or runaway crime rates or soaring gas prices? Of course not. But again and again and again, I'm going to repeat myself a lot between now and the midterms. They're bringing up Trump because they don't want to talk about them. I admire your honesty. You can't run on that record. You can't, dude. You cannot run on that record. You cannot show up and say, give me four more years. Give me two more years. You think inflation's high now? Wait till I get done. Well, by the time I get out of office, inflation will be higher than my son, Hunter. Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, you can't run on that, okay, which is why they're going all in on fascism. Here's Jamie Raskin. I love this one. I wanted to play this clip for you earlier. Jamie Raskin, okay, is a shameless buffoon. Shameless, okay? Jamie Raskin, if you remember this, okay, is running uh, the prosecution side of the January 6th committee. He was also on the panel for the second Trump impeachment. Okay, Jamie Raskin was leading an impeachment of Donald Trump because, you know, of course, Republicans were challenging the certification of the Electoral College. Okay, what nobody told you in the media is Jamie Raskin, the same guy who wants you to believe it is treason to question the certification of the Electoral College. That same Jamie Raskin challenged the certification of the Electoral College in 2016. That's just how white folks will do you. In 2016, he challenged the actual certification of Alabama, the very first state to be certified, the first one. And then he turned around, you know, when the Republican thing went down and was like, oh, hell no, you can't be challenging the survey. This is treason. And this is why we're having such a hard time. I don't condone Trump's actions. Okay, if you don't have physical proof, the election was stolen. We have proof of chicanery. But if you don't have physical proof it was stolen, you really shouldn't be undermining faith in the democracy because Hillary Clinton sent us down a really treacherous path. You know, she can say, yeah, I conceded. I didn't give a speech at the Capitol saying it was rigged and stolen. She didn't. Like, to be clear. To draw a distinction between the two, Hillary Clinton didn't go to the ellipse and give a big speech and, you know, recklessly. I got to be honest. I don't think he inspired a riot. I don't think Trump called on anybody to storm the Capitol. His verbatim words were go down there, peacefully protest, let your voices be heard, which is not rip the place up. Okay, that being said, the potential for danger was everywhere, especially because they didn't have enough police presence at the Capitol. And if you want to talk about that, then you got to talk about Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. But understand, okay, there is a distinction to be made. Hillary Clinton did not, did not, okay, refuse to accept the election. She did show up to the inauguration, which is more than you can say for most of the people in her party. Okay, do you know how many Democrats boycotted Trump's inauguration? More than 30 of them didn't go to the inauguration because they said he wasn't a legitimate president. Hillary Clinton even said he wasn't an illegitimate president. Here it is, clip six. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So again, she started us down a very treacherous path. This is not a legitimate president. He knows he's not a legitimate president. He knows what he did. Our democracy, the thing she's telling us is so fragile. The thing she's telling us is in danger. 
Okay, we started down this path because Hillary Clinton and her cronies told us the election was stolen. She conceded. She showed up to the inauguration and then proceeded to stage a soft coup to get Trump out of office by giving the FBI her own opposition research bought and paid for by her campaign to distract from her own private email server. This started the ball rolling on the Russia hoax. Hillary Clinton started this train and she should be held accountable for that. That doesn't mean Trump's okay, folks. You got to be fair here. Okay, Trump's no better than Hillary on this one. Okay, but understand when they start making this a branding exercise, when a guy like Jamie Raskin says, no, Biden's right to call it fascist. These guys challenge the election. Okay, he challenged the election. Here's Jamie Raskin, clip nine. He's had the benefit of more than 60 courts, including eight courts where he appointed the judges to office. Look at all those claims and they were all rejected. Uh, It was rejected in the states and he lost the election. Two of the hallmarks of a fascist political party are, one, they don't accept the results of uh, elections that don't go their way. And two, they embrace political violence. And I think that's why President Biden was right to sound the alarm this week about these continuing attacks on our constitutional order from the outside by Donald Trump and his movement. This guy's a serious ass. Okay, I'll repeat myself. This guy's a serious ass. This guy challenged the certification of the electoral vote count in 2016. And when it comes to political violence, there is no one in the Republican Party saying go get violent. No one's doing that. If you remember when they were burning down 13 cities in the summer of 2020, Democrats were telling us that was okay. A riot is the language of the unheard. I'll quote Martin Luther King Jr. is what I'll do. Okay, but understand, that is a brilliant observation by the late, great Dr. King. But understand. If a riot is the language of the unheard, at some point, we have to acknowledge why none of the people who live in cities that have been controlled by Democrats for the past 50 years feel ignored. I think he's got a point. The biggest problem with one party rule. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not a Republican thing. If you live in a city or a state that is run by one party for 100 years, there is no incentive for the politicians to deliver for the people. Okay, again, politicians don't run for office to help people. They run for office to help themselves. So if all they're going to do is get your vote, regardless of the living conditions on the ground, There's no way one-party rule is ever going to benefit anybody. But what we're watching in Washington, D.C. right now is an attempt to other Republicans, to brand Republicans as fascists, as violence, as thugs. Why? Because they're trying to usher in an era of one-party rule in Washington. That's what this is all about. Okay, It's not about you. It's always about them. And I just find this all to be so disgusting because as Bill Barr was saying yesterday, Okay, there's a lot of garbage on both sides of every argument. But rather than, you know, delving into the nuance of this and coming out with a solution that helps all Americans, people are really only prioritizing the kernels of truth that benefit their party. Okay, I try to call you a fair fight for you right down the middle. I'm the Mills Lane of radio. Remember the old referee, Mills Lane? Guy would always like uh, scratch his nose during the introduction. It was like a little secret he had with his family. It was a way of shouting them out. Um, I loved Mills Lane. Okay, but understand, okay, being Mills Lane means pissing off a lot of people because right now we got to this hyperpartisan place where people want their party to win more than they want their country to succeed. I don't consider you, the Fox Across America listener, to be a part of that, but I consider you, the Fox Across America, uh, to be the victim of this type of world we're living in because the country's going to hell. The analogy I make all the time is when I was a cab driver, 
oftentimes two guys would get into little road rage fights. They'd pull up at a red light. One guy would get out to punch the hell out of the other guy. And inevitably, one of them would be so, like, overzealous for the fray that he'd forget that he left his car in drive. And you'd see a taxi, a Ford Crown Victoria, rolling away from the intersection. And this guy went from swinging at somebody to running down his own car before it crashed into somebody else. That's where we are in our politics right now. Okay, our economy sucks. Our borders overrun. Our kids aren't getting an education. Crime is through the roof. And we're swinging at each other while the car drives down the road. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are monitoring the well-being of Queen Elizabeth just joining us. The royal family flocking to her bedside at her Balmoral Castle in Scotland. We will continue to update that in the next hour. Martha McCallum is going to be here to give us a royal briefing. Uh, and we will, of course, get back to your calls and texts and tweets and carrier pigeons and everything in between. Uh, if you write notes, whatever you do, we don't care. You know, if you write it on the side of an overpass, the late, great John Diffie, uh, Joe, Joe Diffie, Joe Diffie, uh, once sang the great song, John Deere Green. Uh, you can communicate with us in John Deere Green. We don't care. The show is an all skate. Do you remember the roller rinks growing up where they'd have the boy skate and the girl skate and then they'd have the all skate? Nowadays, it's always an all skate because there's just too many genders. It would be like a baller skate, then a girl skate, then a they skate, then a them skate, then a zier skate, then a non-binary, you know. What the hell is the world coming to? Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are lacing them up for a track meet in this hour. Unfortunately, we are running a pretty traumatic race. We've got all kinds of chaos in Washington. We've got news out of Buckingham Palace uh, that the Queen of England uh, is surrounded by her family at a time when royal officials remain greatly concerned for her health. We are hoping to speak with Martha McCallum in this hour. We're also expecting some type of an announcement from Buckingham Palace. So get your game face on, kids. It's a very historic day, uh, and we're all in this together, as we like to say. This isn't like COVID times when they were like, yeah, we're all in this together. And then you stayed home, and they all got on planes and flew to the swim-up bar in the Caribbean. Uh, Remember Gavin Newsom? We're all in this together. we got to lock down. And then what did he do? He headed off to the French Laundry and had an $11,000 dinner. That same Gavin Newsom making negative headlines in this hour, something I discussed on America's Newsroom earlier this morning with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. If you saw this yesterday, I played the clip on the show. Gavin Newsom and Green Energy have failed the people of California. They're out of power. They don't have power. Okay, and Gavin Newsom made an announcement urging people to turn their thermostats up to 80 degrees to conserve energy. He made the announcement while wearing a hat And a sweatshirt, a fleece, meaning if this guy, okay, has the thermostat all the way up at 80 degrees, he's not wearing a fleece. He knows what he's talking about. He's not sweating. I mean, it's so cold in Gavin Newsom's house. You Literally, you can see people ice fishing in the background behind him. Guy's got the thermostat on like 51. 
But that's always the scam of climate change, of green energy, of conservation, of lockdowns, of everything imposed by the government in the name of personal sacrifice. You, the little guy, the little gal, always get the bill. Hey, we've got to, you know, stop COVID. So you stay home. And we're out of here. We're, we're going on vacation. But you stay home. You know, hey, we got to conserve energy. So you turn up that thermostat. I don't see any air conditioning in your place. Don't charge your appliances. Don't plug in your car. You, you got to sacrifice. That's the scam over and over and over again. And it's funny because in this little back and forth between Newsom and, of course, Ron DeSantis, Newsom, you know, they were floating the idea that Gavin Newsom could be the president. He could win the presidency. In 2024. Okay, California right now is, again, I hate saying it because I love the state. I love the geography. But Gavin Newsom has turned California into the world's largest outdoor restroom. But that's what it is. And yesterday, he caught a lot of heat on Twitter for telling people to shut off their energy while he himself was clearly bathing in air conditioning. It caught the eye of Ron DeSantis, a guy who could potentially be his opponent in a presidential election down the road. Here is DeSantis trashing California, clip 38. I mean, I hear a lot of people chirping about Florida from, like, California. They're so worried about Florida, they can't even keep the power on in California. I mean, are you kidding me? Someone told me that they will be able, once all the people that want to move to Florida move out of there, then maybe they'll have uh, adequate power. But, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, we've been able to do that. Part of it, though, is just, you know, we stood for people's rights. We stood for people's freedoms. And, and obviously, the state has done very well. We have more people employed in Florida than we did prior to COVID. The force is strong with this one. This is the thing. Okay, Ron DeSantis has more people moving to his state than any other state in the country. You know, the Democrats want to tell you, oh, it's oppressive. He's authoritarian. Again, an exercise in projection. We're fighting, uh, you know, an identity politics battle. We're fighting a war of character assassinations, but we're missing the boat on everything that matters. Ron DeSantis didn't say, like, COVID was a hoax. He relied on people's self-preservation instincts. He said, yeah, you can have your freedom. Go to work. Go to school. Go to church. Do whatever you got to do. Okay, but be careful. And he prioritized the vaccinating of elderly Americans in his state because he has the second largest elderly population in America. So he took a targeted approach. He said, hey, if you're older, you're fat. Come get a vaccine because that's who's dying. Old people and fat people. No two ways about it. That's just the reality of covid. He prioritized the most vulnerable while maintaining the delicate balance of allowing people to have their freedoms. Every one of these states that are slandering him. You know, the old saying, if you got the facts, pound the facts. If you got nothing, pound the table. Okay, they've been pounding the table on oppression. They've been pounding the table on his negligence. But the murder rates aren't spiking in Florida. Inflation's not spiking in Florida. Unemployment's not spiking in Florida. You know what else they're not doing in Florida? Losing two years of academic gains because he never shut down schools. I love the poorly educated. Well, if you love the poorly educated, move to a blue state because none of the kids are going to school. Okay, some of them are bringing back mask mandates right now for the fall at a time when we still have any data whatsoever that says masks help anybody, let alone kids who, by the grace of God, are the least vulnerable members of society when it comes to COVID-19. Okay, but understand, I bring up the DeSantis thing. I bring up the energy thing. All of this straw man, we're saving the planet. All of this straw man, you got to get the right gender pronouns or we're all going to die. 
all of this stupid stuff they're prioritizing at a time when people are dying again and again and again, unnecessary deaths because of these woke initiatives. Everything woke turns to Okay, and I bring this up because it's something I've been meaning to get to in today's show and I've been meaning to get to all week. Okay, if you listen to us on the Roar of Memphis, which is as good of a radio affiliate as you're ever going to have, Ditch, the whole crew over there, fantastic guys. I love doing the radio with them. I got to get down to Memphis and I got to eat some. I got to eat some dry rub ribs. That's what I got to do. This isn't good. The diet's flying right out the window again. That boy is a pig. It's not good. Fox is bringing back the guy they paid to make me stop eating. Put that cookie down now. Okay, but I laugh because it's a coping mechanism. To be honest with you. Got a horrible story. Okay, they finally arrested this gunman down in Memphis. Okay, down in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, late last night, after he went on an hours-long shooting spree. You gotta understand, this is a lunatic. This is addition by subtraction. If a guy like this drops dead, okay, he was live streaming himself, driving around Memphis, shooting at people. Hey, check this out. Doing play-by-play, walking into stores and shooting people. I watched a clip of this earlier, not even knowing what it was, till I see a gun come up and fire a shot, and I literally dove out of the way because I don't want to process those things. I'm telling you, we see things in this day and age you're not supposed to see. We see things that only sick people used to see. That's part of the problem with social media and everything in between. You know, back in the day, if you wanted to see somebody kill somebody, you had to go out and do it, Okay. Nowadays, you're just like uh, somebody killing somebody. And they're like, did they have uh, brown hair? Did they have uh, blonde hair? Like, what would you like to see? You know, Google jumps right in with all kinds of answers. It's sick. It's disgusting. It's depraved. I don't like it. Okay. But according to Memphis police, okay, there were seven shootings down there last night, at least two carjackings before this lunatic, I will not say his name to give him notoriety, was finally arrested last night around 9 o'clock. This is a guy who filmed videos where he spoke to the camera before he opened the door to the auto zone. And shot someone inside with a pistol, okay? But understand, this gets crazier, okay? In February 2020, this guy was 17. He was charged with an adult with attempted first-degree murder, aggravated assault, using a firearm to commit a dangerous felony, and reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon. Now, the top prosecutor in that city granted him an early release, The mayor at the time, Jim Strickland, blasted the prosecutor, saying this is no way for us to live. It's not acceptable. And if this guy had served his full three-year sentence, he'd still be in prison today, and four of these fellow citizens would still be alive. So you understand, this is a guy that got off easy. Why did he get off easy? He got off easy in the name of what they want you to believe is equity. That's stupid. Use your common sense. I said this before, and I want you to listen, okay? When you free criminals in the name of equity, in the name of some type of equality, you know, in the name of leveling the playing field, when it comes to race in America, every single time you do this, you are harming the community you purport to care about. And the reason I can say that is when it comes to the high rates of criminal recidivism in this country, 90 percent of the violent crime victims in America – Are you ready? 90% of the violent crime victims in America are attacked by a member of their own race. This is not specific to any race. Black, white, Asian, Latino, doesn't matter. If you are a victim of a violent crime in this country, 90% of the time you are attacked by a member of your own race. So why is that the case? Because people live together. Okay, people, you know, inhabit, you know, same neighborhoods. You know, you wind up in situations where there are low rates of economic opportunity. 
which leads to high rates of violent crime. That's the commonality when it comes to violent crime. The communities that have the highest rates of violent crime have the lowest rates of economic opportunity. It's not race. Okay, understand, if you take any one race in America, throw them in a neighborhood where there's nowhere to legally make money, guess what happens? They pursue illegal ways to make money. A lot of those illegal ways involve violent crime. So you understand, when you let somebody out of jail in the name of equity, oh, we have too many of these people in prison. Could be Latino people, could be black people, could be white people, doesn't matter. If you say we have too many in prison, we got to let them out just because we want the prison to be evenly distributed. You know, what if we take a class photo? We want to make sure there's 30 kids in the class, you know, four or five from every race. We want it to look representative. But you understand, all you're really doing, all you're really doing is protecting the criminal element of every single community at the expense of the law-abiding element of every single community. That's true. That is true. If you've got a 90% chance of being a victim of violent crime by a member of your own race then you want everybody in your own race who's committed a violent crime to be sentenced and held accountable to the highest standards of the law. But we're not doing that because we're trying to pretend, you know, we're just this wonderful, tolerant, progressive society. But crime is not a progressive issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's not a black or white issue. It's an issue of right or wrong. And we're not prioritizing right and wrong when a guy who should be in jail for three or four years, four or five years, is out walking around live streaming shootings. Okay, but that's where we are. Let me give you a little more, okay, because this is ridiculous, okay? We had a tragedy, obviously, in Memphis, if you're listening on the Roar of Memphis earlier this week. We're talking about the teacher, Eliza Fletcher, who was out jogging in the city. She suddenly got kidnapped. Sadly, her body was found in a vacant duplex on Monday. Another guy was arrested uh, in connection with that murder. Okay, this is a guy who served 20 years of a 24-year sentence in state prison, for a 2000, year 2000 abduction and robbery of an attorney by the name of Kemper Durand, this guy was never granted parole. At the time, his rap sheet included five charges of aggravated assault, a rape charge after he turned 14, and the gunpoint kidnapping when he was 16. Do you understand there are certain people out there, and it's unfortunate, okay? They were failed by their parents. They were failed by their society. They failed by their neighborhoods. They were failed by their political leaders. It is tragic that people wind up in this situation. I have empathy. Okay, a lot of people that are horrible criminals, drug dealers, things in between, find themselves in that position because they come from a really horrible background. That's why when it comes to identity politics, I don't believe in white privilege. There was no benefit. I drove a taxi most of my adult life. When my alarm went off at 3 o'clock in the morning, it didn't hurt any less because of the color of my skin. It was a punch in the soul. You got to go drive 15 hours, make no money, and get cut off and shot at. Uh, Being white didn't get me a bonus. The lights, the red lights didn't turn green quicker. It was a mess. But there is something called family privilege. Okay, if you come from a good family that has ambition, that cares about you, that encourages you, that supports you, you come from a stable, harmonious home, you do have a leg up in society. But that's not a leg that has anything to do with race. That's a leg that has to do with prioritizing good people and achievement and self-reliance. And in that regard, we have failed a lot of people in this country because we keep telling them, oh, it's society's fault. If you're bad, it's a society. It might be systemic racism. I blame the Republicans. No, 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 no. It all starts at home. It all, all, all starts at home. These people we're talking about today in these shooting sprees, these people should die in prison. That's sad. Okay, but understand, we're talking about woke bail reforms right now. We're talking about loosening up sentencing guidelines in a way that protects the guy out there doing the shooting but endangers the people getting shot. So, yes, it does suck 
okay, that some people are failed by their families. It does suck that some people are failed by society, by their political leaders, okay, by their school systems, okay? That really does suck. I promise you. I have that empathy. But there's no world where these people who grow up to become killers and murderers and thugs and rapists and kidnappers, okay, there's no world where these people should have their student debt forgiven, so to speak, at the expense of the rest of us. And that's why what's going on in Memphis is so heartbreaking. It's because it did not have to happen. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The show that loves you like a sibling. We'll always be brothers. It's Fox Across America with brother Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon continuing to monitor the health of Queen Elizabeth. uh, At the same time, monitoring the health of this great country which is in a really bad spot. We're supposed to talk to Martha McCallum in the next break about the Queen and everything else in between. Uh, but right now, all of my thoughts are down in Memphis, Tennessee. If you're listening on the Aurora Memphis, man, I really do feel for you guys the way I feel for so many people in this country that have been subjected to the type of violence uh, that we're witnessing down there in Memphis. And this isn't new in Memphis. You know, Tucker did a whole segment on this the other night about a great town like Memphis that's really being failed in a lot of ways by our inability to scale in this day and age. I really mean that. We fight all the wrong battles. Think of fentanyl. I talk about fentanyl a lot because it's personal to me. I have a little 13-year-old kid, and I'm trying to make sure he doesn't do pills because they're killing people. And I keep reminding the public that fentanyl deaths are not overdoses. They're poisonings. An overdose implies that you were doing a ton of drugs for three days and it caught up to you and you dropped dead. What these are are people, you know, somebody's writing a term paper, so they buy an Adderall off their friend, pop an Adderall and die. Okay, that's not a junkie. And the reason I say that is because the connotation of overdoses has a way of opiating parents into like – I don't know how I, I want to say this. It's almost like a state of complacency in that they're like, well, my kid's not clearly a junkie. I see him all the time. He's not stoned or messed up when I see him. So this clearly isn't a risk for my child. But the truth is it's a risk for every child in this country. It's coming across our southern border. It's made in China. It's pushed through the drug cartels. It is the leading killer of Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. And we don't talk about it. We do not talk about it. Okay, and it drives me crazy. Just the same as the violence in the street is not talked about. Why? Because when it comes to the Democrats, black lives don't matter half as much, half as much as black votes. Bingo. You hear a lot of people say that. Gianno Caldwell came on this show. Gianno Caldwell grew up black in the south side of Chicago. His young brother Christian just got killed. Okay, and there's nobody there's nobody out there in the media discussing crime unless it's politically viable. If two people from different races kill each other, let's go. It must be racism. All hands on deck. Okay, but when it comes to the day to day carnage that's going on in this country right now, our national murder rate has spiked to a 35 year high. We shouldn't be talking about anything else. Okay, stick with me. Life Liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That's what this country was founded on. You can't have liberty or the pursuit of happiness without life. And somehow the things that are denying the most people life are the things we're not talking about. We'll do a week on Trump's overdue library books down at Mar-a-Lago. You know, we'll talk about again the idea that the Democrats want you to believe there's no biological differences between a man and a woman. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. True story. 
okay? But we don't actually talk about the things that affect the most people. We talk about racial lines. We talk about political lines. talk about gender lines. But we don't talk about human lines, okay? We're all just people. That's it. Okay, all of us, different races, different backgrounds, different customs, different religious beliefs. But at the end of the day, no individual race has the monopoly on smart or stupid or good or bad or happy or sad or anything in between. Good people come in all shapes and sizes, just like idiots come in all shapes and sizes. And if you don't believe me, check out an episode of The View. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, uh, reporting some sad and historic news out of Buckingham Palace. Uh, following announcement is made by Royal Communications. The Queen of England, uh, Queen Elizabeth, died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. And the king and the queen consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. Uh, this postmarked Thursday, the 8th of September, 20 to the 22. That is Queen Elizabeth, uh, a woman who ascended to the throne at the age of 25 on February the 6th of 1952, uh, ruled uh, for 70 years, uh, 15 prime ministers, 14 U.S. presidents, seven popes. Okay, she also went through 30 corgis and dorgies, loved horses, and uh, was as classy and as respected of a public figure as we've ever had in our lifetime or any lifetime. It's a very heavy time in London, and uh, it's a very heavy moment to share with you, even back here in America, where the queen was one of those, you know, shining examples of doing things the right way. It's It's a very heavy day, but if you're just joining us, yes, during the commercial break, we were informed by Buckingham Palace that the Queen of England has died. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, at the age of 96. When she took the throne, Joseph Stalin was the leader of the USSR. Harry Truman was the United States president. I mean, so when you talk about history, when you talk about an unparalleled run, something, you know, you've never seen before, you'll never see again, 70 years, 70 years on the throne. And I got to be honest, you know, known for all kinds of incredible charitable works and you know, helping and healing gestures throughout the, you know, the globe. You know, these last couple of months and years have been marred by a lot of craziness involving Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and, you know, palace intrigue and everything in between. But the one constant, you know, whether it was war, you know, whether it was feast or whether it was famine, okay, was that the queen was the epitome of grace and excellence and class. And uh, we're all a little bit worse off today. You know, at a time when people have lost so much faith in leadership, the queen was always like that steady port in the storm. Uh, So we are here today uh, now mourning the loss of Queen Elizabeth, someone we had uh, alerted you at the top of the show was not doing well, according to Bucking Palace. Uh, It has now been made official by the palace with the family at her bedside, the queen passing away a little while ago. Uh, If you got a queen anecdote, I mean the queen. I don't mean the band. Don't, you know. 
I don't need Joe Biden calling me up and being like, I love Freddie Mercury. Come on, man. Now, if you have a Queen anecdote, you want to share it. You're certainly welcome to. And we are going to continue, of course, to follow uh, American events, domestic news as well. But I'm just going to give you a little bit here because this really is historic and it needs to be processed, not just by you, but by me as well. Okay, understand my background coming into this on the Queen, everything I knew about the Queen in the beginning, I actually knew from the movie The Naked Gun. Bingo. Lieutenant Frank Drebin saves her from a plot involving a robotic Reggie Jackson to assassinate her. I knew the Queen as a pop culture thing as a child, but grew into what the monarchy meant to the country and the world as I became more familiar with her charitable works and with, of course, this incredible body of work of leadership that has advised so many U.K. prime ministers, including the most recent one, who was only announced just a few days ago. Okay, this is a woman who, I mean, goodness gracious, ascended to the throne at the age of 25 after her father died and has been there every year since. Okay, she was married for 73 years to Prince Philip. Seven, dude, 73 years. Think about that. I'm I'm married 16 years right now, like 16. And my wife, for my 16th anniversary, got me a Tinder account. She's like, come on, man. You got to have other options. Get out of here. These people were together for 73 years, which is just it's stunning to me, okay? In this modern era where you see so many relationships are just, you know, such a trivial thing, even at the tippy top of, you know, societal elites. You know, she was always that steady port in the storm. She had four children, obviously Prince Charles, who will become king, uh, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, Prince Edward. She's got eight grandchildren. Uh, and she's got 12 great-grandchildren. I mean, it's a body of work that's just stunning. But she was, of course, the head of state and the head of the church, uh, I'll read you some of this because it's just fascinating. I've been boning up on this, and it really is crazy. Okay. British monarchy is known as a constitutional monarchy, and that means that while the sovereign is the head of state, the ability to make and pass legislation does reside with an elected parliament. But as head of state, the monarch, a.k.a. the sovereign, being the queen, has a less formal role as head of nation. Rather, she acts as a focus for national identity, unity, and pride. So essentially, the queen is standards and practices. You've got parliament passing laws. You know, you've got parliament duking it out and, you know, running through elections and House of Lords and the House of Commons and everything in between that goes on over there. Okay, but it's the queen that's actually sitting there in charge of decorum, in charge of appearances, in charge of optics, in charge of behavior, you know, in charge of the dignity of the people, okay? And as the head of church, she also holds the official title, the Defender of the Faith and the Supreme Governor of the Church of England, uh, titles that date back to the reign of King Henry VIII, uh, who was initially granted the title of Defender of the Faith in 1521. So there's a lot of history. There's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of precedent. But the thing I want to focus on again and again and again when it comes to this woman is character. Character. It's everything. You know, they say character is destiny, and it truly is. This is a woman who was able to rule for 70 years, was beloved, and right now has died and will touch off a mourning period that's about a month long around the world. And it'll end with the coronation of a new king, her son, Prince Charles. But the reason you'll see the reaction is not because she had a big title. It's because she held that title well. Okay, plenty of people get big jobs. Plenty of people get big jobs. 
And uh, we're not necessarily sad to see them go because they're not particularly good at the job. They don't necessarily conduct themselves with that grace and humility that we saw from the queen. But this is someone who really was, uh, you know, connected to the people. They really cared about her. You know, she'd give the annual address on the radio and come out and wave on the balcony. And she was someone who was connected. She was somebody they cared about. And she has inspired a passion you don't really get from leadership these days. Most of the leadership when we're fighting in this country is not necessarily because we're for somebody. It's because we're against somebody else. I mean, you look at our elections. Joe Biden's not out there saying vote for me. He's saying vote against those guys. They're fascists. And, of course, that's a profound insult to people like the Queen who lived through real fascism, to people like the British and, yes, people like the Americans who went over and ended the fascism, who ended the run of the Nazis, who stopped, okay, the Axis in World War II, okay? When you say things like these people are fascists, there's no basis in fact for that comparison. But that's where grace and dignity and humility have eluded our elected leadership. And that's where the contrast with the queen, it really is so, you know, damning when it comes to character, when it comes to comparing the character of our leaders to theirs. Okay, it's really heavy stuff. But I'm going to give you just walk you through where we head from here. Uh And this is an actual briefing that is sent out by Buckingham Palace. So I'm walking through this with you. Okay, the UK enters a 12 day period right now of national mourning. Uh, She will her body will ultimately lie in state in Parliament's Westminster Hall until her funeral takes place. Uh, Trading will cease at the London Stock Exchange during the day of her funeral, which could ultimately be extended for several days. Uh, They will, of course, fly Union Jacks at half mast. The BBC, which regularly practices how it will respond to her death, uh, will suspend all comedy programming during the 12-day period of national mourning. So they don't want any jokes. They don't want anybody saying anything stupid. Uh, And the Queen's funeral is expected to take place 12 days after her death. Uh, As first in line to the throne, Prince Charles will automatically become king uh, when the queen dies. So he is the king as of right now. However, he can only be formally declared as king when the accession council meets at St. James's Palace. So there's going to be some pomp and circumstance and a crowning, maybe similar to what some of you saw in the crown. Uh, The words to the national anthem will be changed as a result of this change at the top of the throne. New postage stamps and currency created to reflect Prince Charles's ascension to the throne will also be issued. And the way it works from here is Charles, the Prince of Wales, now the new King of England. His son, Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, would be second in line. William's son, Prince George of Cambridge, third in line. Princess Charlotte of Cambridge, fourth in line. Prince Louis of Cambridge, other child, fifth in line, and there in sixth place would be Prince Harry, uh, the Duke of Sussex, husband of Meghan Markle, uh, sixth in line to the throne. And I won't tell any Prince Harry jokes. If the BBC is playing defense, the least I can do over here is play defense at a time when I'm praising this woman's character. Uh, But it's a heavy one, man. And, uh, you know, if you have thoughts on it, you're welcome to weigh in. But I do – I just wanted to break the news so everybody knows before we go forward with the show. We've got a lot of domestic stuff to get to. Uh, But the Queen of England, uh, the sixth female to ascend to the British throne – the 40th monarch since William the Conqueror obtained the crown of England, uh, someone who all the way back in February of 1952 took the throne after King George VI died. Well, she has died just 70 years after taking the throne at the age of 96. It's a heavy historic day, but we will march through it together when we come back on Fox Across America.
Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together, trying to hold all of our uh, American expats living overseas together on a day where the Queen of England, uh, Queen Elizabeth, woman who became queen at the age of 25, has died at the age of 96, getting the announcement just moments ago. We will discuss it in the next hour with Molly Hemingway. We can get into some of your calls on the issue. Uh, but it's a heavy day, man. Uh, it's, you know, a historic figure, someone who meant the world to millions and millions of people around the world, uh, someone in my adult life. And, you know, my wife might argue that I've never lived an adult life, that I'm just a fat, spoiled child. But the point is, uh, in my travels from cab driver to cable news guy uh, hosting radio and appearing on, you know, some of the highest rated television shows in the world, which is crazy, blows my mind to even hear it come out of my mouth. uh, You always feel an obligation to the people consuming the content to, A, distill it in a cool way. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to feed into the culture war. I don't want to divide society any more than it already is. And I also want to give you good information. So I've spent a lot of time reading up on the queen, you know, in the last three or four years of my life. And she really is such a fascinating, just a fascinating woman. And one of the things that I really gravitated towards, and I think this is something a lot of people listening can relate to, she might not know a lot about the monarchy. You might not know a lot about curtsies and bows and traditions and everything in between. Uh, but she loved animals. Uh, she had 30 dogs, which is amazing. And she loved horses. That was a big thing. And my grandma, Fela, okay, I had a Sicilian grandma. Fantastic. You know, Sicilians, you know, half my family is probably criminals. The other half are cops. But my grandma, Fela, when I was a little kid, would hang up every conversation with me. She'd go, I love you, honey. Don't ever put anything in writing. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) I was like three years old. She's like, don't ever put anything in writing. I never knew what that meant. But when I got older, I was like, oh, I get it. You know, grandma had been haunted by previous legal entanglements in the past, uh, was now advising me to live by the credo that snitches get stitches and stuff like that. Uh, But one of the other things my grandma Fela always, always, always said to me was that animals are better than most people. And the Queen of England loved animals, so she loved the Queen of England. And it's on such a basic, superficial level. But at the same time, it's not superficial. It's profound. You know, if you've had a great dog in your life, you've had a great pet in your life, they're miracles. They're the best thing about being alive are these wonderful animals that just want to please us. And the Queen, for all of the trappings of her lifestyle... She had that very basic humanity to her where she did just love animals. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things that makes her very relatable to people like me who obviously don't have the vocabulary or the intellectual wherewithal that the Queen of England has. But I could talk dogs with you all day. I mean, if you want to talk about cat videos on YouTube, it's a shame I never got her on the show. We would have been a (laughs) – me and the Queen of England would have gotten along fabulously. She would have loved me. Maybe I went a little too far. But the point is she liked animals, and I like anybody who does. Uh, But sadly, yes, the Queen of England leaving us after 96 glorious years on this earth. Not the only headlines we're covering today. Uh, In the next hour, Molly Hemingway is coming by to discuss a GQ interview with AOC. AOC is a dope. Okay, the professional victim slash Instagram chef AOC. Uh, All over the news today because she is in this GQ magazine 
with a straight face, with a straight face, uh, doing an interview where she says America hates women. She doesn't think she'll ever be president because we hate women too much, specifically women of color. Uh, she says she doesn't know if she could ever marry a white man, which is good news for the guy he's da- she's dating because he's white, which means he might be able to get out of this before it's too late for him. <laughs> I admire your honesty. <laughs> Nowhere in the world is there a man better off. Uh, because he hitched his wagon to AOC in that train wreck because she's a professional victim. And we're going to talk about that because most of what identity politics is in this day and age, my biggest frustration, man, is people are just selling grievance. We live in an era of incentivized victimhood. Hey, I'm upset. Give me something. That's why people sell, you know, protest Dave Chappelle jokes. Nobody's hurt by a Dave Chappelle joke, but people benefit from acting hurt by a Dave Chappelle joke. You know, because you say, hey, Netflix, how dare you air this content I don't agree with? Give me something. I want a promotion. I want a day off to grieve. I want three-day weekends. You know, that's what goes on. Again, remember this. Dave Chappelle's jokes are on demand. You have to go out and demand them in order to hear them. You're not going to come across one by accident like you're walking down the street and a piano fell on your head. Oh, I got hit by a Dave Chappelle joke. No, you had to go out, pick up a remote, and demand it from a streaming service you were paying extra to watch. So this idea that you know people who might not like this sort of content need to be shielded from it, there's about 12 ways to be shielded from it. One, you don't have to subscribe. Two, you don't have to demand it. Last I checked, there was no shortage of options on Netflix. But that's grievance politics as a whole. We're not debating logic. We're debating people who are using their emotions as a cudgel to go out and get what they want. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. And that's everything right now in this day and age. Hey, I'm upset. Give me something. Society doesn't do what I want it to. Give me something. That's what we're dealing with now. Okay, and it's not about science, not about anything. One of the funny things about this is class warfare, something the Democrats are talking about all the time. Eat the rich. And the assumption is, well, if you're rich, you must be a criminal. We need more IRS agents because we've got to go after the rich because they're criminals. But the truth is most rich people hire accountants and lawyers so they don't become criminals. But if you do go after them, guess what they do? They deploy those accountants and lawyers, which means when you expand the size of the IRS, you don't actually tax you know, rich people at a higher rate. You attack the rest of us at a higher rate. Thanks, big government weenuses. Nobody demonizes the rich more than Elizabeth Warren. And here she is getting pushback from Mark Cuban, of all people, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, who said this, clip 37. I don't mind being taxed more. I wrote a blog 20 years ago saying it's the most patriotic thing you can do after military service is pay your taxes because that's what allows everybody, you know, to to live and to prosper. Um, But, yeah, the idea of just soak the rich, billionaire tears tears that sell that cup mm-hmm. screw you elizabeth warren you're everything wrong with politics yeah there you go and he's spot on elizabeth warren is a clown okay and if there's one person i don't want to smoke the peace pipe with it is her shameless Live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon getting together with our radio family on a historic day. Uh, The Queen of England passing away a short while ago at the age of 96. 
After 70 glorious years on the throne, uh, we are mourning her passing. We are updating you on any details we get out of Buckingham Palace. We are also, of course, prioritizing domestic news as well. Molly Hemingway is going to be here, senior editor at The Federalist. Uh, the bell of the cable news ball, one of the smartest and sharpest people you'll ever meet, one of the best writers of this generation, one of the best political analysts of our time. We will stop by. Uh, well, she will stop by. We're not. We're just here. Uh, but she will come by and have a grown up chat about all things going on in Washington, D.C. and, of course, across the country. And, yes, she will weigh in on the GQ interview of our New York Congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's worse than Kamala. She might be the worst person in elected office, and I'll get into that in a second. But one of the reasons I say that is because when you juxtapose someone in a leadership position like AOC, okay, and again, she's a congresswoman. There's no comparison between a congresswoman and the Queen of England. But when you are, in fact, a public figure with millions of people following you, what you choose to do with that following, how you choose... Okay, to carry yourself very much, very much. Okay, you know, they say adversity doesn't define character. It reveals it. It's the same thing with prosperity. By all accounts, AOC is living a life of spectacular prosperity. She's a rich congresswoman. She's getting $10,000 of her student debt forgiven, all while driving a Tesla. Okay, if you can afford a Tesla, I would imagine you can pay your college loans unless you're not paying them because you chose to pay the Tesla instead. Either way you slice it, there's no world where I should wind up with the bill for you. You are correct, sir. But the point is, okay, AOC is a person with millions of followers, which is stunning, scary even to think that someone that dumb can have that much influence. But what has she chosen to sell her followers? Victimhood. Okay, the deck is stacked. It's a racist, misogynist society. They hate women of color. I don't know why I'd even bother running for president. We're never going to elect a woman of color president. Folks, we have a female black vice president right now who happens to be so dumb she studied for a covid test. Okay, we will elect anybody if we think it's the right person for the job. Okay, if there are people in your life that don't like you, you're gay or trans or any other ethnicity. It's probably not because of your sexual identity. It's probably because, i got to be honest with you, you are a bit of a... There's that, okay? Okay, AOC's problem is not that she's a woman. It's not that she's a person of color. It's that a lot of people look at her and they say, this chick is completely full of... Okay, which brings me to this GQ article. I really want to talk about this. Okay, the queen inspired people. You can do it traveled the world, okay, as did Princess Diana, like literally hugging lepers. You know, you talk about Bill Clinton saying, I'll feel your pain. You know, they were out there literally feeling people's pain, literally trying to inspire people, literally literally trying to help people. AOC is on Instagram doing makeup tutorials, cooking macaroni and cheese, and saying everybody's out to get us. We're in really big trouble. Okay, that's who she is. That's what she's chosen to do with her platform. And I really do hope that the queen's death inspires people in positions of influence to reconsider the message they're distilling and whether or not it is one of victorhood or victimhood. I say that all the time in this country. That's the great political divide of our times. Is it victorhood? You can do it with the greatest country the world has ever known, greatest source of good the world has ever known. Or is it victimhood? The deck is stacked. Why bother? What the Democrats want to sell you is victimhood. The deck is stacked. Why bother? Because if you truly believe the deck is stacked, then you're going to count on the government to level that playing field. 
which means if you're going to rely on the government, okay, you're going to have to vote for the people that you're counting on to level that playing field. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Every single time. The solution to your problem is self-reliance. The solution to your problem is personal responsibility, working hard, holding yourself to a higher standard. Okay, I'm sitting here broadcasting to millions of people on the biggest media platform in the world. Okay, five years ago, I didn't not only have money in the bank, I didn't have a bank. Okay, I was a cab driver, working 15 hours a day doing stand-up comedy at night, but I was able to pull this off because it's America. Anybody can do anything. Again, AOC, who grew up rich in the suburbs, went to Boston University, repurposed herself as what? A hard-scrabble, struggling bartender. I'm just Jenny from the block, you know, and pulled it together and went to Congress and drove a Tesla and now wants you to believe the deck is stacked. And this is the thing the Democrats keep doing wrong. They keep, tra- they keep trotting out successful members of minority communities to tell you how oppressed they are. That's why people are laughing at Meghan Markle. Meghan, Meghan Markle launched a podcast two weeks ago yelling and screaming about how women are being held back. And to make that point, she's interviewing Serena Williams and Mariah Carey, two minority women who happen to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Good question to ask Meghan Markle. Okay, you're clearly not oppressed. You're clearly not being held back if you're all worth $100 million. No different than AOC. She's elected to one of the highest offices in the land. In an oppressive nation, if we're oppressing people like her, we're not electing them to power. I think he's got a point. But she has chosen... The prosperity she's been dealt in on, she has been chosen the, the good, you know, fortune bestowed upon her by voters, by the greatest country in the world, to use it to inject bile into our political discourse, to use it to discourage people who might otherwise be inspired by what she's achieved, to feel like they're under attack at all times. This is the AOC interview in GQ. Okay, here it is. And I just I find this all so fascinating. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claims in an interview that so many Americans deeply and unconsciously, as well as consciously, hate women. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Come on, dude. All right, if you just want to start on a very basic superficial level, okay, there are so many women in elected office in this country right now, including a female vice president. Okay, she hones in to go further and say they hate women of color. Serena Williams, woman of color, just got a two year, uh, two month victory lap because she's retiring from tennis. We love Serena Williams. Okay, Michelle Obama, female black uh, black uh, first lady who could be a female presidential nominee if she snapped her fingers tomorrow and would have a very good chance of winning, regardless of whether or not you agree with her politics. She's beloved. Okay, Oprah Winfrey is so rich she's using people as furniture. Okay, they don't even have couches anymore. They just sit on other people. They find ones they like that are comfy. Okay, people in this country are prospering and soaring. Look at the world of entertainment, the Beyonce's of the world, the Cardi B's of the world. People are soaring. These are women. Okay, these are superstar women that people love. Okay, look at how much money someone like Katy Perry has made. Look at how much money someone like Britney Spears has made. Okay, women are making more money than God. The third highest position of power in our country happens to belong to Nancy Pelosi. Okay, we trust her to be Speaker of the House. Not that we love the job she's doing, but I trust her to steer the House more than I trust her husband to steer a car. (laughs) 
Paul Pelosi getting a DUI. With all the stock tips and insider trading that family's done, you'd think they could afford an Uber. But stick with me. AOC in the article also advocating for unlimited access to abortion and said Democrats have to do well in the midterms in order to combat the very real threat of fascism. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. All she has, gloom and doom and victimhood. We're under attack. This is someone who reaches millions of people. And I point this out because I hold myself to the same standard. I've told you this in the past. When Fox said they were giving me a show, like I actually like really thought about it. Of course, yeah, there's a dream come true. I'd love to do this job. But the minute it's your job, you go home and figure out how to do it. That's how you find yourself in this position. Wherever you want to go in life, whatever your job happens to be in life right now, okay, if it's not the job you want, the way to get to the job you want is to do the out of your current job. Seriously, whatever the job you have right now is, do the because it will catch the eye of someone you're surrounded by and create a market for you wherever they go next. That's the key to getting ahead in life. Just do the pants off of whatever gig you have and trust that it will create a market for someone with your aptitude and work ethic at the next level. That's how you get where you're going. That's how I got from driving a cab to being where I am here. Okay, yeah, there were some low-level extortion attempts and hostage situations, but we don't need to get into that right now. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. AOC went on to predict that she will never become president because people in this country hate women, and they hate women of color. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I mean, really, just shameless. People ask me questions about the future, and realistically, I can't even tell you if I'm going to be going to be alive in September. And that weighs very heavily on me. And it's not just the right wing. Misogyny transcends political ideology, left, right, and center. Yo, people like women. I got to be honest with you. People really like women. Uh, So much so that as I'm mentioning the fact that people like women, thousands of men listening to this broadcast are deleting the search histories on their home computers. Hubba, hubba. Okay. AOC also went on to say what? The moment, uh, she's talking about her recent engagement, the moment you start being yourself, they kind of freak out. I think it causes a conflict within them that they didn't even anticipate. It's not even a deception. It's just they uncover insecurities that they didn't know were there. The bottom line is this, okay? AOC is a professional victim. And the reason people resent folks like her, and I really don't want to do a Meghan Markle thing right now on the day the Queen died, but the reason Meghan Markle was getting a lot of backlash, and maybe she'll reconsider this going forward, is people in a time when we're living, 65% of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. 65% of Americans. There was a study out yesterday that said a third of all American families who work full time don't have enough money to cover basic goods, housing, food, health care. Okay, 33% of Americans in this country who work full time, two working parents, aren't getting by. Okay, when you're talking about a population of 330 million and we've got 90 million people out there busting their asses and they can't even get by, the last thing they want to hear from a rich person like AOC and Meghan Markle is how hard they have it. Okay, no one wants to hear. Nobody cares. Okay, and that's the choice. That's the difference between somebody like the Queen of England. Okay, somebody like me. Okay, be honest. Seriously, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But in the overall scheme of things, I'm a guy that uses his platform and tries to inspire you, remind you that you can do it, that you are living a life of spectacular possibility. Because in this age of identity politics, for all the terms like white privilege and the one percent, you have American privilege. If you live in this country, anybody, literally anybody can be anything. Literally anybody can be anything in this country if you're willing to do the work. 
Okay, but what we're getting instead is an era of incentivized victimhood where idiots like AOC, who have it better than 99% of the population, want you to feel bad for them. That's what we're dealing with. You're struggling paycheck to paycheck. Well, boo-hoo. I'm over here in my Tesla with my student loan forgiven, hanging out in the halls of Congress, and people are calling me names on Instagram. Okay, I'm telling you, because I care, AOC, this is a watershed moment for everybody in a position of leadership. Okay, if you want to use it to help people, Okay, stop playing the victim. If you want to use it to help yourself and be woe look as me, don't change a damn thing. Wants to ban the airplanes down with gas stations low. Her green new deal really blows. is a fountain the driest fountain so dumb and everybody knows AOC whoa AOC that dumb woman though she's all over TV AOC AOC that dumb woman is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We just got a statement out of Buckingham Palace from the king. Prince Charles, uh, now his majesty the king. It is not official that he will be King Charles. They always have the right to change their name, uh, you know, make it something else if he wants to honor some prior king or something else that's important to him or his family. Uh, but here we go. The official statement, the death of my beloved mother, Her Majesty the Queen, is a moment of the greatest sadness for me and all members of my family. We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms, and the Commonwealth, and by countless people around the world. During this period of mourning and change, my family and I will be comforted and sustained by our knowledge of the deep respect and deep affection in which the Queen was so widely held, marked Thursday the 8th, September 2022. So that is Prince Charles, the man who is now the King of England. Uh, They don't have to count the mail-in votes or anything. Uh, She dies, he becomes king. It's a whole different situation over there. Uh, But of course, we're praying uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Queen and everybody affected by the death at the age of 96. It's heavy, man. Okay, grace, decency, empathy, all of these things are lost in our politics today. I have been doing this show for two years. Every day, if you listen to the show, I say at the top of every show, I say, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a I say it every day, man, every day. 
And it's just so important. I recognize the value of that, and I'm trying to impress that upon you as well. I, If you listen to my show for as long as I'm lucky enough to be on the air, if that's the only thing you take away from it, it is a win for me. I am not an activist. I really don't care. Okay, I'm conservative. I'm unapologetically so. I fight for these principles. Okay, but the God's honest truth is we can all do a lot more help by just getting people to just chill out. I say this about professional sports all the time. I hate activism in sports, not because they don't have a right to express themselves. It's their platform. They've earned it. But when you look at our country and how afraid it is, I always argue that it would benefit more as a society to have common culture again, places where we go to put our political differences aside and just be Americans. Just remember, hey, we're all in this together, and yeah, there's things we don't like or agree on, but you know what? It's time to drink some $20 beers and watch a ball game. Woo! That's what I was always into growing up. And when you see sports go activist, again, they have every right to go do that, but no one can argue that society's better off Crime rates are way up. No one can argue that things are more harmonious. We're more divided than we've ever been because we don't have a place to go be decent. Okay, that was the Queen's lasting impact. It was a 70-year port in the storm. No matter how chaotic the world was, there was always this picture of decency and empathy and kindness. Someone who was humble, who was a servant, okay, to her own subjects, the Queen of England. And I'm telling you, it's so missing from our society. That's why I say it every day. I know I can help more by being a place where people can come for a few hours a day and just chill out and maybe laugh at the news, analyze the news, whatever you want to do. But there's a lot more help being done by that type of vibe than just screaming and yelling and preaching to the choir or even yelling to the choir. And then after all of that, the guys doing it have the nerve to pass around the collection plate. Pay up, suckers. Not here. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon holding this place together on a historic day where the Queen of England uh, passes away at the age of 96 after 70 years on the throne. I'm the furthest thing from a royal expert. I mean, I've been to like a White Castle. Seriously, I can talk. If we're talking Dairy Queen, I got a fighting shot. The point is we need backup. So we're bringing in the closest thing we have to royalty here at Fox News. She is the senior editor at The Federalist, Molly Hemingway, back on the show. Hey, hey, hey. Great to be here with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, it's a heavy day, obviously. You know, we lose the Queen of England. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, statements and going out like that. I don't want to do bog us down too much with that. But the one thing I wanted to say really quickly, Molly, is the Queen really did embody a lot of, like, decency and empathy and class. And she was an inspiring figure. And I feel like a lot of the things she represented are kind of lost from our politics today, no? Yeah, I I'm a I'm very much an American. I pride myself on my lack of knowledge about yes. the royal system and how it works. But it's difficult to not feel sad. Uh, Queen Elizabeth was first off, she was on the throne for nearly a third of our entire country's existence. So she's just been a part of the American story, you know, as as the leader of this very close country for such a long period of time. I also identify her so much with World War Two. Mm -hmm. And this is the last of the great World War Two type leaders. 
uh, to go. And it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a sad moment. And she handled her position very well. And you you pray that some of the losers in her family are, have nothing to do with it um, <laughs> now that she's moved on. I know I'm playing a lot of defense over here. I'm trying not to tell seven uh, Meghan Markle jokes today. So I admire your restraint I, as well. Okay, so having said that, <laughs> I. I think that Meghan Markle is not was not invited or wasn't going up to Balmoral Castle or wherever it is that they were all gathering. And I was kind of laughing at the idea of Queen Elizabeth putting in her will, like you keep that Yankee, you keep that Yankee <laughs> like, as far away from me as possible, even in death. <laughs> Something you know. Suits was an overrated show. Nobody watched it. Yeah. <laughs> right. the, the American relationship is sacred, but none of us watch USA Network over here. Get out of here, right. beat it. Yes, oh, I would. <laughs> I would love that so much. Well, I, listen. I mean, again. The one thing that I, I keep coming back to over and over is like we're juxtaposing her leadership at a time when the leadership here is like is literally making a concerted effort to slander and brand the opposite political ideology as like a, a threat to our uh, very existence. Like the contrast has never been bigger between like what proper leadership looks like and just how disgusting and shameless the stuff coming out of the White House is. And, you know, speaking of World War II, it's difficult to not get those feelings about some of what was happening in Europe prior to World War II, these mm-hmm. really ex- this extreme rhetoric. And I'm, I'm not not only do I not really have a problem with tenacious fighting between political leaders, I even kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of all fair if you're being pugilistic against someone that you're actually running against. When you're demonizing tens of millions of people who didn't vote for you as being semi-fascist, it just is. The people who've done that in history are not good people to emulate. And Joe Biden clearly understands that he messed up because he keeps saying that he didn't mean every word that he said in his speech. He keeps saying it over and over. But uh, there was it was very creepy that he did it. And it was very scary. And you worry not even about him because I don't like get the feeling that he's totally in control of his faculties or anything. But you do worry about the people that he inspires or the people who followed his lead and said, this gives us permission to exterminate our political opponents or to, you know, even ramp up how we are treating them as second class citizens. It's very scary and dangerous rhetoric, and it should be condemned by all people of goodwill, regardless of their political persuasion. I'll give you an amen on that. Molly Hemingway on the line, senior editor at The Federalist, Fox News contributor. What I'm amazed about the branding thing is on some small scale, it works with a percentage of their base. And they have convinced people, and it's, it's fascinating to me, that anyone who doesn't support abortion up until birth is somehow the bad guy. Anybody who doesn't support chemical castration of children is somehow the bad guy. And they're projecting that fascism onto us and that hatred onto us. But I really feel like if anyone's running on hate, I mean, you're out, you travel the country, you meet people, I meet people. People don't come up to me at Fox events angry. They come up like, I'm happy to see you. I love the joke. That's a terrible sport coat. But they never come up to me like, get them. Whereas, you know, the Democratic fuel really does seem to be one of like moral superiority. Like if we were going to psychoanalyze this, was that really the aim behind his speech was to sell these people this confirmation bias that they're just better than us? Yeah, I mean, it was clearly a speech delivered to the base, and the base does include the propaganda press, the media. They've always been his biggest fans. They ran his first campaign. They've been frustrated at how embarrassing it is for them personally. I mean, they went out there and they said, if you get rid of the bad orange man, you're going to have a competent, moderate uniter. And he's completely incompetent. You know, the policies of the Democrat Party 
have led the country into a horrific place that they weren't even a few years ago. He's the furthest thing from a uniter. Uh, He's just it's a disaster. And it reflects poorly on them because they're the ones who lied to the American people. So I think this speech was about getting them excited and, and ready to do the heavy lifting that they can always be counted on to do of helping Democrats with their election prospects. But they didn't broadcast. I don't think this speech was broadcast generally to the American public yeah. like it would have been if they had truly wanted it to be seen by people outside their base. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Um, so I have another theory on this, though, really quick, and then we'll move on. This whole, you know, MAGA thing, ultra MAGA, mega MAGA, I can't believe it's not MAGA. You know, they've got all this branding going on. What are the odds? I have this weird theory that he's actually adopting this posture because he just believes it's the year 2020 and he's going up against Trump. <laughs> I yeah, it's always. I wondered if he kept on saying he doesn't believe the things he said in his speech because he doesn't remember having. <laughs> I mean it, Molly. Work with me on this. I believe they were in a meeting. He started trashing MAGA, and somebody was like, "We should probably tell him." And somebody else was like, "No, don't screw it. It's better than running on our record." But actually, I think it's more related to what Biden's doing with having his Department of Justice go yes. after his primary political opponent. So mm-hmm. it. You know, what they did in raiding Mar-a-Lago over a paperwork dispute, which is insane, Mm -hmm. they – in order to justify it, I think you have to ramp up the rhetoric. And so the speech only makes sense in context of the politicized Department of Justice Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yes. All right. So let me give you a couple of things on that because one of the better articles I read in The Federalist this week was written by Margot Cleveland, uh, who isn't a big fan of Bill Barr's handling of the fallout from the Mar-a-Lago raid. But I had Barr on here yesterday, and he said a couple of interesting things that you'd probably agree with. First and foremost, as he said, it's impossible for anybody to trust the FBI. There's a deep rot at that institution, and it's really put us in a bind because it's possible that both parties have a gripe here, meaning, yes, Trump was raided in an unprecedented manner that shouldn't have happened, but it's also possible he had something he shouldn't have had. But there's no room for nuance in our politics anymore. Could you see a world where both of those things were possible? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I because I've been following what the FBI and oh, the worst. justice have been mm-hmm. doing for years, I just give them not a single moment of credibility. And based on what I do understand about this mm-hmm. dispute, it really is a paperwork dispute. Yeah. The guy behind it is this guy at the National Archives who's a crazy partisan, you know, big mm-hmm. fan of Nancy Pelosi. He defended Hillary Clinton when she mishandled classified information. The mm-hmm. day Trump left office, office, he began this jihad against him. So I don't understand why we would even take any of these claims in good faith. There's no reason for Trump to act like this pursuit of him is is like a legitimate thing because nothing the Department of Justice or FBI have done relative to Trump and his affiliates has been in good faith for years. And they haven't even begun to hold themselves accountable for it or repent of it. So I don't understand. I love Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of him. I really admire how he handled himself as attorney general. But it's very weird that he's sort of forgetting everything he knew just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. about the corruption yeah. uh, of the FBI and how that should relate to what Trump and his counsel are able to do when they're working with these people. Well, it's interesting, okay, because he did say this. We're talking to the great Molly Hemingway. He did say leaks like the ones you get in the Mar-a-Lago raid are a reminder that there is a deep state. He said on our air, he said, no, there's absolutely a deep state, as evidenced by the fact that these high 
high-level DOJ leaks only go one way. There's never, ever, ever, ever in the history of the DOJ are we getting a leak that damages the Democrats. They always go one way. And he did say, like, it's a very real thing that's going on. Uh, and I, I'm fascinated because there is this we're at this really weird junction right now where they're so effectively able to sell to the media a new Trump storyline with no hint or self-awareness of shame or anything in between. You know, a week ago, Molly, and the last time you were on the show, we were talking about, you know, they were accusing him of selling our nuclear passwords, our nuclear secrets. Like it was a Netflix password after a breakup. He could just sell it and other people could log on and watch movies. Um, Now here we are a week later. They're telling us that, no, it might have been somebody else's secret. But the people who latch on for the Trump hate in the storyline, they never actually have to acknowledge that the last eight ones weren't true. How do they get away with that? That's what I'm trying to understand. Well, first of all, I think there's the good news, which is this is the same game plan they did during the Russia collusion hoax, and it yes. worked really well. Mm-hmm. There would be these selectively mm-hmm. selectively snips of leaks to make it seem like really Donald Trump had stolen the election and was a traitor who was colluding with Russia. And then it would take years for the truth to come out. And when the truth came out, it turned out that the leak was you know, either completely fabricated or so distorted as to render it meaningless. Now they're doing the exact same operation with the exact same reporters at the Washington Post, the New York Times. And while you see the gullible sort of like crazy Trump deranged people fall for it immediately, it doesn't seem to be having the same impact. It looks like people like the Republican Party basically said, we have figured out this game. We're not playing it anymore. The only weird thing or the only frustrating thing is it still works to drive the narrative and the conversation in D.C., in New York, where people are like, oh, the Washington Post reports that Donald Trump had nuclear codes and was about to launch a nuclear missile. And everyone goes, oh, this sounds very believable in D.C. In the rest of the country, everyone's like, that's not true. A few, then that goes nowhere. I mean, yeah. that just went away. Yeah. It, just, it just evaporated. And then they replaced it with this new leak this week where they're like, oh, it was actually just like a mention of nuclear capabilities yeah. of another country, and it wasn't even classified. And you're supposed to get crazy about it again, but only the D.C., New York people, I think, or, you know, like the real Trump deranged people get delusional about it. But they do control a lot of the conversation. But smart people just sort of go, we saw how this game is played. We're not going to play it anymore. I do want to say really quickly yeah. on that. The whole paperwork dispute is about how there was information that was so sensitive that they had to raid the former president and primary political opponent of, you know, of their boss. Uh, they had to raid his home. And then they are leaking like sieves to the Washington Post about what was in there, thereby just completely undercutting their claim. Mm -hmm. While these documents that are allegedly so sensitive were kept completely secret while at Mm Mar-a-Lago, they're not even they're not able to keep them out of the hands of The Washington Post now that they've been seized. I mean, it's just it's just laughable. Yeah, I don't think I don't think serious people take them serious. I think there's a subset of the population that they cater to that I really do, because this is a New York thing. I don't have the D.C. knowledge you do, but spending all the time I do in New York, I know a lot of really, really rich white people who hate Donald Trump so they don't have to hate themselves because they do hate themselves. <laughs> and that's a lot of people. I mean, I think that's a lot of what climate change is. I think climate change is, is is like white guilt on parade. You know, they have these spectacular lives of prosperity, but they don't personally like themselves. So they pretend they're at least saving the world so they can justify it and feel decent about themselves. I don't know. It's crack psychology, but this is what you do when you drive a taxi all day. The only difference now, Molly, is like you're not in the backseat of the car. You're just on the phone, which is a lot safer for you, I might add. 
But no, I do. It does seem like it's filling a hole in people's hearts yes. to be obsessed with Trump yes. or to hate him or his supporters. Uh-huh. But you have to have more to life than hating someone. And hating someone is not a virtue and it doesn't answer life's problems. So uh, there's t- a lot to be. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for this Charles fella, you could be queen. That's exactly the mindset we need right now. <laughs> Charles got in the way. I don't know. They're they're actually telling me that Pennsylvania has stopped the counting and they've got to revisit this now. He's not necessarily the king just yet. So much chicanery. Uh, Let me run this one by you really quick as a woman. Uh, Do you feel under attack in this country as AOC said women are? Uh, no, I haven't read her interview yet, but I did like the pictures that were on that I saw on <laughs> yeah, yeah. social media. You know, I know she's a little wacky, but she is a very pretty lady. Uh, but no, I I was watching uh, old, like slightly old Top Chef where they kept talking about women being under attack, mm-hmm. but they weren't explaining why they think that. And I think the reason why is because uh, the whole message is about how if you have the possibility of creating abortion laws that are in line with the rest of the world, mm-hmm. that means American women are under attack. Like yeah. <laughs> people did not do an actual good job of explaining that in this country, we had like North Korea style abortion yeah. regime, could kill a baby up until nine months of pregnancy. Most of the country, most of the world has at least some kind of limitation on mm-hmm. abortion. And now Americans can have that too. That brings us in line with Europe and most of the rest of the world. Um, but to call it an attack on women is clear clear politicking that's not based in reality. Yeah, that's the thing. There's just like a there's a professional victim class now and they've gotten good at it's what's crazy about it is the people who are the most prosperous members of society are the ones selling the victimhood. Like me and Kennedy lost our minds over the Meghan Markle podcast because the whole first episode is about how women are oppressed and she's bringing on Serena Williams and Mariah Carey who are worth a billion dollars between them to tell us how oppressed women are in this country and I'm like, you know, again, this would be like me talking about food shortages with the cast of my 600 pound life. Clearly, they're finding food somewhere. Molly. I read this Meghan Markle interview where she where it kept describing her as a working mother. And I was like, I don't think people with staff who help you <laughs> with your house maintenance get to call themselves like working mothers. I mean, I, I, she is a work, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I don't yeah. want to disparage her, but like, oh, yeah. come on, people. I it's know. not. And also just there's this other truth that um, women women desire to create families. And that's a good thing. That's actually what makes the world go around. And there is a war on women's ability to have and, uh, and raise families. And it's from the exactly the opposite direction of what we're told. And a good country will support family formation and women being able to have like safe, secure families. Mm -hmm. And that's not where the left is going right now. It's just a complete attack on the whole notion of, of, um, like being able to, oh yeah, so it's raise, it's, it's sold know, as empowerment. Yeah, they're selling it as empowerment. Don't have children, get back in the cubicle. And there's nothing empowering yeah. about it, man. It's gross. Um, Molly, listen, I know the staff at the Federalist never needs an excuse to drink, uh, but have one for the Queen tonight, would you? We will certainly do that. You too. We'll do it soon. There you go. The great Molly Hemingway, no one I love talking to more. Uh, she is brilliant. Uh, And she is as reasoned and as sound of a mind as we have in our politics today. Uh, The only real demerit against her is that she's willing to come on this show. But once you get (laughs) aside from that, uh, she is throwing a perfect game. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. 
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're in the bottom of the ninth on a show uh, that is, of course, dedicated to the late, great Queen Elizabeth, uh, who died today at the age of 96 after 70 years on the throne. We have just received confirmation that King Charles uh, will go by the name King Charles III. Uh, He is now officially the King of England. They have entered into a 12-day period of mourning. Uh, If there's anything to be taken from this, I don't know if you guys followed the monarchy. I don't know what your investment in the queen is. I don't know if you watch the crown. I know if you listen to me, you probably drank plenty of crown royal. But the point is uh, the queen as a public figure for the better part of 70 years represented class and grace and decency and empathy. Uh, The very things we are trying to emulate on this show every single day, sadly coming up short more often than not. Uh, But the whole motto, the whole ethos of this show is, you know, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a bottom line. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a monarch. Just don't be a God save the queen. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.